This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. And good morning, good afternoon. You are here live with Dr. Jeff Werberg, your host for the next 30 minutes here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Best with Dr. Jeff. Here for you, here to answer your questions, here to give you advice. Anything you want to know, we call it practicing a little telehealth. I'm not going to diagnose, I'm not going to treat, but I'm certainly going to give you a lot of good information to help you along. Easy to get a hold of us. The easiest, cheapest way is to call us toll-free, 877-385-8882. And the next easiest way, also pretty cheap, like zero, is to log on to your computer, click on PetLifeRadio.com. All the different shows will come up. Click on the Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff, and you'll scroll down, and there's going to be a Google Hangouts link. So if you click on that link, you will join us here live on Google Hangouts. And um want to thank our sponsors, Brevecto, More Than a Cone, which is raising awareness of animal welfare through the arts, and Save This Life Microchip. Now, oh, a number of weeks ago, I introduced you all to my uh, new little, you know, I've been, I have not had little guys like this since my kids were young and we had the hamsters and the guinea pigs and the rats. And uh, this is, well, I have to call him Lou because my grandchildren named him, him Lucy, not knowing anything about the concept of girl and boy names. And uh, so I just kind of shortened it to Lou. Anyway, he's a Russian dwarf. He is the cutest thing. His coat feels like a chinchilla. It, it's just amazing. He never bites. He's just inquisitive. He's so He loves being handled. I mean, it's, he did not read the hamster book because oftentimes hamsters are not so great with little kids because they, they do like to bite. And this one is just terrific. Anyway, oh, about a month ago, my very large dogs, I have a bunch of dogs, came in here and, and so inquisitively, I, they weren't trying to hurt the little guy. But they knew something was in there that was moving. They knocked over his cage. And in the process, his leg, his back left leg here got stuck in the um, cage itself and broke, literally shattered. So in a panic, I called Dr. Lori Hess, a colleague who's been here, has a, a show or two on Pet Life Radio. What do I do? Because I don't treat these little guys. And uh, we made a little splint with a toothpick and some, and some surgical tape and tried to come up with an e-collar, but it didn't work because the way their heads are, the face and head is much smaller than the neck. So anything you put over the neck just slip right off. So that was useless, but we tried. Then we kept it on for about two weeks. And he started nibbling at the bandage and he was actually causing more problems than not. So we took it off and confined him as per Dr. Hess. And now here we are about four weeks later, and you got to see this. He is just perfect. His, he runs around. He's got his wheel. He uses his feet. All the hair grew back. I mean, it's like he never knew anything happened. It is just amazing. You know, we used to joke with cats and how we would rather tackle a cat medical problem over a cat behavior problem any day of the week. And when it came to broken bones, we used to joke that cats heal so well that as long as both ends of the broken bone were in the same room, they would heal. And uh, that's how I feel with this little Lou here, because we took x-rays, sent them to Lori, Dr. Hess. And I mean, this leg was like totally broken in two places. The knee was dislocated. I mean, we couldn't even believe it. And and he's just totally healed. It's, it's great. So uh, anyway, if you have any little pocket pets, let us know. My funniest story about a pocket pet was I was doing a segment on um, a show. It was called Mike and Maddie. This after the home show that I did years ago on ABC. So I was their resident veterinarian, and I'm sitting there, and the topic was pocket pets. So they customized me a sport coat with pockets everywhere, big pockets. 
And we had the, the gamut. We had a hamster. We had a guinea pig. We had a, a little um, chinchilla. We, I mean, we'd have everything. And the last animal I had that was the largest of these pocket pets was a ferret. And his name was Ferret Bueller. He was a patient of mine. He was kind of cute. And um, the lady who owned him had two, had Ferret Bueller and Slinky. And any of you who've had a ferret know that how appropriate the name Slinky is because they are like a Slinky. You can almost bend them in half or, or more. Anyway, so I'm going through them. Each time I'm going, oh, oh, what do I have here? And I pick up another one. We talk about it. We talk about the care, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, I'm on to the fifth pocket, which was Ferret Bueller and uh, the ferret. And I put my hand into this dark pocket. Now, mind you, I have just touched four other little rodent kind of creatures. So you can imagine what to a ferret, which are carnivorous, what my fingers smelt like. Well, I stick my hand in this dark pocket. This is live TV. And all of a sudden, I get a crunch on my finger. I mean, it was like, it hurt. But here I am on live TV. I can't panic. I, so I casually pick my hand out of my pocket. I say, oh, my God, Ferret Bueller is so shy. He just doesn't like the camera. Meanwhile, my finger is bleeding like crazy. And I'm trying to hide the finger. So I casually reach into another pocket where I had a Kleenex. And I wrapped it. And I'm trying to just hide my finger throughout the whole rest of the show. So they can't see the blood all over. That's the issue with live TV. So now this little guy does not bite. He's really, really, really cute. And uh, anyway, so uh, I'm going to wheel down here for one second, put him back. And we're going to talk about some new stuff, really good stuff. Hang on one second. So, okay. Animal Smart Brief in the news. So uh, what do we got? Well, first of all, I'm sure you've heard this week, there was a, a report on the final fact. Who's smarter, dog or a cat? And they say dogs only because of the number of neurons. There are approximately, they say, 530 million neurons in that dog brain and only 250 million in the cat brain. Therefore, the dog should be smarter. Well, interestingly, I don't know how smart you think raccoons are, but it's not necessarily the size of the brain because they say that we have about 1.6 billion. Okay, that's a lot of neurons. So I, I would say that um, they are, excuse me, 16 billion. And primates have a lot. Well, it turns out that raccoons and their very little pea brains, they have as many as a primate, as like a monkey. So you have to really weigh this in with a grain of salt, this information. I'll tell you why. What is smart? As I always say, if you take your dog, your household dog, and you put him outside, out the front door for a month, I'm not suggesting you do this, but if you were to do this and take your cat and let him or her outside for a month. Who do you think is going to survive better? Who do you think is going to make it even? And I would imagine I would say the cat. So when you talk about smarts, just because you can certainly train a dog, they can retain certain information better, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're smarter because it's like street smarts versus book smarts. Dogs have more book smarts, or at least we think they do because of how they respond to us because of their social nature. Cats, on the other hand, are less social. I wouldn't say they're asocial, but they're less social. And therefore, they don't always care to respond to us or to do what we want them to do. Cats say, to heck with you. I'm going to do what I want to do. So it's kind of, a, it was a silly report, silly argument, not well done. But yes, I, I, the only thing that you can surmise that you can only conclude from this is yes, that if their neuron counting technique was accurate, then yes, dogs have more neurons in the brain than cats, about twice as many. So that I can buy. What's also interesting is, you know, speaking of dogs and speaking of training and speaking of having them work, dogs respond to different types of training techniques, some by word, some by gesture, 
and oftentimes a combination of both, which is believed that they respond best when you, for example, when you want to teach your dog to go down, what we often do, we use the word down and we take our hands and put it down so much so that pretty soon you can look at the dog and go just with your hand without saying anything and they'll respond. So the question is, and this study was done, which I thought was pretty cool. What happens if you take a dog and you say up, but you use your hand down motion? All right. Or you say sit, but you do the down motion. So there's conflicting information here because sit is usually this and down is this. So what are they going to do? It turns out they will actually faster respond to the gesture over the voice command. So um, I thought that was pretty cool. So um, again, it's best to do both when you're training, certainly do both. But when there's a conflict, the studies show that most dogs will follow the gesture versus the voice command. Good news for in Michigan, House Representatives passed a bill. Now, this I didn't really understand because it was so kind of weird. But if a person were to kill or harm an animal, get this, with the goal of manipulating, almost like using someone who loves their dog and say, I'm going to kill your dog if you don't do what I need you to do. That's that's pretty cruel. So anyway, it is so cruel that now in Michigan, it is a crime. And uh, so, so that's a good thing. They are tried. It's on the bill that that is considered animal cruelty. And also the companion legislation strengthens penalties for animal cruelty. So that's that's kind of good news. But think about the deranged person who is going to actually use a pet, someone's pet as a pawn to get what they want. And that's pretty sick. So uh, one of my former professors, he's now a professor emeritus. This is really good news for cat owners at UC Davis. He's like, well, even back then when I was in school, and this was 35 years ago, he was like the guru when it came to cats and cat diseases. He has come up, he's involved where they've discovered that there are some antiviral medications. One's a protease inhibitor called GC376. Don't worry about writing it down. It's not going to be a test. And a nucleoside inhibitor, EV0984. These two inhibitors that have antiviral properties, when they are injected into cats with FIP, feline infectious peritonitis, pretty much known to be practically 100% fatal, coming in two forms, the wet form or effusive form, the dry form or the non-effusive form, but it is fatal. It happens typically in young cats, many young cats living in catteries or where there are many, many cats. Also see it in cats, usually below two and above seven. In fact, I had a case recently of a cat that was eight or nine actually, and had pure effusive FIP. It was a mess. Anyway, early studies have shown that these two inhibitors can actually put some of these cats into remission that have done very well, almost a cure. Now, unfortunately, this is early, early stages of research. So by the time it becomes available to us practicing veterinarians, it's going to take a while. But just by the fact that this disease, which has typically been a totally deadly fatal disease, now there's some hope, there's some promise down the road that we might have at least maybe not a cure, but a treatment to help them along. This is really nice. Also, without getting too much into the politics of like animal sanctuaries and zoos, uh, et cetera, because I don't want to go there, but I do feel there are some benefits. There are also some bad things. That's why it's not an easy discussion. Maybe if you guys are interested, you can let me know and we can talk about this on a future show. But San Diego Zoo added four Jamaican iguanas. Now, to their population, there were two females, each had two. And what's so interesting about this, these were literally on the, they were thought to be endangered. They are now on the critically endangered list, but they have now upped the number at the zoo to 11. So that's pretty good. So there is, there is clearly, when done right, some benefits to having sanctuaries like this, where they have some breeding 
programs to help these animals that were otherwise extinct or they, I mean, clearly not extinct because they had, they found a, a couple to start breeding, but now there are 11 and uh, that's good news. Here's also one that I, again, I could say this time blue in the face, but I'm going to keep you guessing what it is. The FDA came out with a statement on some things that we often like to give our dogs that we should no longer do. We've talked about it before and nothing news to me, but this is interesting that the FDA got involved. So don't go away. We'll be right back after these very brief messages. Sit, stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. As a dog, I know a lot about fleas and ticks. So trust me when I say no other tasty chew protects dogs as long as Brevecto. One Brevecto chew keeps fleas and ticks away for up to 12 weeks. Be a good human and ask your vet about Brevecto. Brevecto may cause vomiting. You think that you're rescuing them, but honestly, they're going to end up rescuing you. You don't know what they've gone through, and they're not going to be perfect. And they are so happy that you are taking a chance on them to be a part of your family. I urge you to go down to your local shelters, pounds, dog rescues, foundations, you name it, and rescue a dog. Once you get your rescue dog, you should definitely order some Dinovite. Go online and order it. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Dinovite. It's awesome stuff. 90 days of Dinovite will make your dog a happy dog. It will help them with their overall health. You don't need to spend thousands on vet bills. Dinovite is the best thing that's ever happened to my dogs, you know, besides me, of course. <laughs> Call 859-428-1000. 859-428-1000. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. Dot com. <laughs> And welcome back. You're here live with Dr. Jeff here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. And um, so, yes, the FDA came out with an official statement, which is great, that pet owners should not give their dogs any kind of processed bones, packaged processed bones. Why? They're the same things we've talked about. They splinter. There are cases of esophageal tears, cases of intestinal, stomach and intestinal tears, choking, obstruction because they're not digestible, oral cuts, obviously cuts in the mouth. And even 15, interestingly, 15 reported deaths. I have to say that. That's 15 reported deaths. So you can bet your bottom dollar they're more than just 15. So very, very unsafe. You know, if you have these big knuckle bones, I've had cases with those, you know, the circular knuckle bones where animals have gotten them stuck on a lower jaw and they go nuts and they mangle themselves trying to get this thing off. So it's very important to talk to your veterinarian. Uh, make sure you know what you're giving is safe. Some great, great alternatives. You have smart bone or dream bone. Smart bone and dream bone, these are digestible. They're made out of vegetables and chicken. So you don't have to worry about it. So even if they, even if they were to swallow it whole for some ridiculous reason without chewing it at all, first of all, they don't splinter. At least that they're digestible. Same thing with greenies. Greenies bones now, there were some issues long, long time ago about their formulation. Now they are as well digestible. The stomach acid and juices will start to degrade these. So we have had no 
problems in the last several years, always make sure, because this was a problem initially with greenies. It wasn't necessarily just the greenie. It was the fact that people were not following the directions as to the size of the bone and the size of their dog. Sometimes they were giving their dogs, they would take a, buy a bigger one and cut it thinking, ah, that'll be good because then it'll be like getting two small ones. I'm going to save money. Meanwhile, almost every case initially of the problems with greenies was not because of the greenie, it was because of the owner. But uh, so I highly recommend that whatever you choose to feed, smart bone, dream bone, greenies, any of these safe, safe, effective, good, my dogs love them, products, make sure that you are matching the correct size to your dog. And also a uh, last warning, winter holidays coming up. So we have to be very, very careful. Poinsettias, berries, lilies, pine needles, tinsel, the glass balls that you hang on the tree. I mean, can you imagine, can you just imagine a Labrador retriever or your golden retriever or any dog that goes out every day with the tennis ball and looks at that tree? And what do they see? They see 50 of these balls hanging down. That's great. Guess what? They're made of glass often. Um, they are not healthy to be munched on. But to your dog, this is heaven. So be very, very careful. Keep things really high. Anchor your tree too, because sometimes dogs will jump up on a tree and knock it over. So there are oh, edible ornaments. A lot of people hang these candy canes and, and little trees and things, and peppermint. Yes, they're adorable, but be very careful. Be careful with candles. Also, cats, cats are thrilled that they love and they like to touch and bang over. And they're just, uh, they're very inquisitive. They're amazed at the flame and how it flickers. So also you got to be very, very careful. Hanukkah coming up as well. So be, be careful with the menorah. Make sure it's out of the way. Keep your cats out of the way. And of course, the guests. Your guests are probably one of the biggest problems. Why? Because they don't know all of this stuff that now you know, especially if they don't have pets, and they think it's so cool to be eating something, typically something fatty or some nuts, and whatever it is that, that could be dangerous to your pets, and sure enough, your pets are going to get sick. And of course, again, be careful. This is why microchipping is so important. Collars, ID tags, because dogs often want to make, the, make a beeline if there's too much excitement and too much commotion, and they want to run out. So um, anyway, keep this in mind to have a safe holiday. Now, one thing before our time runs out, which it seems to go so fast, doesn't it? We've talked before about the battle between a pet's age, okay, finances, and whether or not, and health status. So we have a, a literally a perfect example came in this past week, Payette, a 12-year-old, beautiful chocolate Labrador that was, as we say, ADR, ain't doing right. So as I'm doing my exam, of course, we do a I palpate. So this, mind you, this is before you start taking bloods and you start taking x-rays. This is just looking at that dog or cat or whatever in front of you and trying to say, okay, where are we going with this? What, what do we think is going on? So I noticed two things. Number one, when I lifted the lips to look at the gums, they were a little pale. So right now I'm thinking, hmm, a little pale gums, could be a little stress, could be anemia, right? So then next thing I do when I see pale, I'm thinking blood loss or blood destruction. So I go feel the belly, the abdomen on this dog. And the dog, by the way, as I said, ADR hasn't been eating well, just a little sluggish. Well, of course, when you're losing blood, you're going to be sluggish. Anyway, I feel the belly and I feel a mass in the belly. And right away, I say to the owner, I'm not happy. I'm just not happy because there's something in here. So I get permission. We do our basic physical, senior physical, which you know, included some urinalysis, blood work, x-rays, and I even did a little ultrasound of the belly. So sure enough, there's a mass, a mass in the belly. I see some free-floating blood on ultrasound, well, free-floating fluid, which I assume is blood to match the pale gums. The bloods come back the next day. Sure enough, the dog is anemic. Not terribly, not terribly. And But the chemistries for a dog who was 12, a Labrador, were perfect. So now the owner is in a difficult decision because she doesn't really have the money to proceed. But you can't say no to a dog who's been your dog for 12 years 
And it's if it is a splenic mass, which it, it was, I mean, I knew it was spleen, but I don't know what type of mass it was. There are three that we see. Of course, the most common in a dog that age would be hemangiosarcoma. But on the x-rays, the chest x-rays were clear. The ultrasound of the other organs were clean. So I'm thinking right now, I don't know, can't tell you what's going to happen four months from now, three months, but right now it seems to be isolated to the spleen. There also could be a splenic hematoma, benign. It could be a splenic hemangioma, benign, meaning you take the spleen out, you're cured. But again, at 12 years old for a Labrador, that's pretty old. So I, you know, I can't necessarily convince her that it is the right thing to do because, you know, again, there's going to be a post-operative phase, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, to make a long story short, she calls me, she has to do it. And of course, I agreed because I remember with my poor Grover, I did his surgery. He was 15, a Labrador, 15 years old, under anesthesia for an hour and a half, almost two hours, and took this disgusting, humongous mast cell tumor out. And he went on, he needed medication. It was a grade three, it was a bad one, but he went on to 16 and almost 16 and a half. So and that's a Labrador. Labradors don't usually live to 16, 16 and a half. So I was blessed. So anyway, we go in to do the surgery on Friday. And I have to tell you, this dog did amazingly well. The tumor, as I suspected from the ultrasound, was completely isolated at this point to just the spleen. There's a possibility it was just a splenic commangioma. So I'm not writing that out yet. I mean, it would be wonderful if, if it was benign. But even if it's a malignant one, we have a, a number of really good months ahead of us. The dog, now two days out, is doing amazingly well. So Age is not a disease. We don't make a decision whether to do or not to do just based on age. You got to look at the big picture. You have to look at the entire situation. And by that, I mean financial as well. And I'm thrilled that we ended up having been able to do the surgery on Payette, who, as I said, just did amazingly well. Great dog. I know that we will have some good months ahead of us. I can't tell you how many. Now, the one thing that because of, again, the cost of doing pathology, the owner opted not to evaluate the spleen itself. Her thought is, and I can understand, that you're not going to take a 12-year-old dog and start doing all sorts of major chemos and whatnot if this hemangiosarcoma starts to spread. And if it is hemangiosarcoma, it's going to spread. And once it hits the liver and the liver starts to bleed, it's going to be time. So academically, if somebody needed to know just to plan emotionally in the future, where are we going? Do, do I have a dog who now is just going to live very well? Because we already just did a blood test. The chemistries were fine. Everything else was fine. So maybe this dog is pretty good. Maybe this is one of the ones that lived to 14. Or if it's a splenic hemangiosarcoma, it probably is not going to live another two years. So more than probably, I can almost say it's not going to live another two years, but there'll be good ones until the dog starts getting sick. And in order to put the money towards the surgery and not spend it unnecessarily on a test that, and I often say, if the result of a test is not going to change your approach to the case, then don't do the test. If financially, it's going to be a hardship because what's the point? If academically, you're okay with not knowing but you wouldn't change anyway. Even if she found out it was tumor, it was hemangiosarcoma, and she's not. there's nothing you really can do to treat it. She's not going to put a, a, an older dog like this through it anyway. Then don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Just enjoy him. Feel blessed that it was resectable, that we got it out. The dog's going to feel a whole lot better. And uh, when or if he starts to get sick a little later down the road, probably a few months, several months from now, then we, uh, we deal with it at that point. Anyway, thanks for joining me here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. Once again, if you need to get a hold of me at any time, if you have any questions, anything you want to talk about on the show, um, you can reach me uh, by just sending me an email to drjeffdrjeff at petliferadio.com. If you are on Instagram, uh, you want to see some a ton of cute pictures and some videos, just go on to at Dr. Jeff Werber, and uh, you can get on my Instagram page. 
and um, and just say hello. We'd love to hear from you. Become a just follow me on Instagram. And uh, as I said, <laughs> if you if you love cute pictures, you are going to see tons of. I think I got I don't know over four hundred. Uh, really, really great pictures. I, every time, I mean, animals coming. Now my clients, they say, how, how come you didn't take a picture of my dog in front of my Instagram? So I'm trying to get everybody. They're really, really great shots. So at Dr. Jeff Werber. Um, and thanks to our sponsors, Bervectos, More Than a Cone, and Save This Life Microchip. And we will, I think I have some traveling coming up. I'm doing a satellite media tour in New York next week on the 12th. Maybe you'll catch me on your, one of your local news stations. And um, uh, we'll be back live. If, if not one week in two weeks. So, uh, well, not next week, but the week after that or the week after that. Anyway, have a great couple of weeks. Uh, enjoy your holidays. If I don't talk to you before then, and remember, any uh, time you need to get a hold of me, please get a hold of me through email. Jeff at PetLifeRadio.com. See you soon. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.